Hi everyone, welcome back to Love God and Your Neighbor. I'm Laura Hutchinson, pastor of First Christian Church Disciples of Christ in Anniston, Alabama. I am extremely happy to have you all here. I want to give a warm welcome to my music team here with me today. Gerald Roberts, our director of music, is on keyboard, Annie Ingram on trumpet, and our worship leader, Jason Wright. Now, I'm not sure where you are at this moment, what city, what state, or even what country you live in, but here in Anniston, Alabama, things with the COVID-19 virus are still pretty rough. Many of us started venturing out of our homes and back into somewhat of a more normal schedule back in June and early July, but then the numbers skyrocketed again and many people sequestered themselves in their homes once more. I know my family and I did. And now, with kids going back to school, people having to work to pay bills, and the numbers of cases and deaths still high, we're all a little anxious. So I want to encourage you, no matter where you are in this world, to turn to God in prayer. Pray for those who are sick. Pray for those who are dying. Pray for those who are caring for the sick and dying. Pray for those going back to school and for those who are anxious about getting sick, anxious about finding work or paying bills or about losing their jobs, and so on. This is an extremely stressful time for pretty much every person on the planet, and we must give it all to God. God is so good to us, even when the world is not, and if we lean on our Creator, we will find strength and refuge. In these challenging times. Now that being said, I want to thank all of you who are so faithful in your continued tithing through all of this. I know from experience that the instinct is to tighten your belt during difficult times, but you haven't done that. Not much anyway. Because of your faithfulness, our church is still here sharing the gospel with the world, and I am grateful to be preaching to such loving people. Because that's what tithing is. It's an act of love, love for God, love for God's church, and love for the world. And it is through your giving that the church is able to share God's love with everyone else. So, if you feel so moved today, I ask you to once again consider giving to God through us. You can either go to our webpage, www.fccanniston.org, Scroll down to the very bottom of the page and click the Donate Now button. PayPal is the only donation option that works for right now, so it'll tell you to pay with a credit card. Switch over to the next screen. Choose the PayPal screen instead. Otherwise, you can donate by sending a check to First Christian Church at 1327 Layton Avenue, Anniston, Alabama, 36207. Now... I invite you to gather your elements for communion. Go get bread or crackers, juice or wine, and I invite you to light a candle. Let us all welcome in the light of Christ as we come to the Lord with adoration and love. Please at this time, pause your recording while you go and get what you need. Now all of our hymns can be found in your Friday Reminders email. If you don't currently get that email, contact us on our website and ask us to add you to our list. And now, let us sing our first two hymns of praise, God's Love Made Visible and The Church's One Foundation. Let us sing.
Almost exactly three years ago today, I was preaching my second sermon following my sabbatical. During that sabbatical, I spent three weeks in a beach house in North Carolina, where I spent quality time with friends and then with family and then alone with myself. I spent one week alone in a cabin in the North Carolina mountains and a week at a silent retreat at a monastery in Cullman, Alabama. A couple of weeks ago, I was rereading this sermon 
that I had preached upon my return and realized that this was a message I definitely needed to hear again. Then I thought maybe some of you would need to hear it as well, and so I'm going to preach it again for you today, three years later. The truths revealed to me by God then are still absolutely true today. Today's scripture comes from Matthew 16, verses 13 through 20. When Jesus came into the district of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, Who do people say that the Son of Man is? And they say, Some say John the Baptist, but others Elijah, and still others Jeremiah or one of the prophets. He said to them, But who do you say that I am? Simon Peter answered, You are the Messiah, the Son of the living God. And Jesus answered him, Blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah. For flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father in heaven. And I tell you, you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of Hades will not prevail against it. I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven, and whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Let us pray. Loving God, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart be pleasing in your sight, my strength and my redeemer. Amen. Now, everyone has an opinion about who or what God is, don't they? Everyone talks about God, and we all hear the different theories. Whether it's Christian, Hindu, Jewish, Muslim, atheist, etc., we all have our beliefs about God. But in the end, the things that other people in the world say about God or Jesus or the Holy Spirit should not matter. What matters is what is revealed directly to us from God. Sometimes God speaks to us in the everyday, ordinary routine of life. We pray, God answers. We see God's hand in a beautiful sky, in the face of a child, or in the eyes of a loving animal. And in those moments, we know God, and we know that God knows us. And sometimes, we have to withdraw from the hustle and bustle of ordinary life, and to see God in the otherness, someplace outside of normal. Well, my second week in the beach house on my sabbatical, the second week of my sabbatical, after my friends had all returned to their lives, I was finally alone. On top of that, my appetite was finally returning. Hallelujah. And I was able to eat again. Now, for those of you who weren't, who didn't hear my first sermon, you should know that during my first week away, I was visited by one of the 10 plagues of Moses, the stomach flu plague, which left me weak and unable to eat for quite some time. But you don't have to feel bad, though, because God used that illness to prepare me for my spiritual journey that month. Now, during the sabbatical, I decided to keep a journal, something I don't usually do, because I wanted to be able to look back on all of my experiences once it was over. I didn't write every day, but when I had something significant to remember, I did jot it down. So let me share with you my journal entry from July 19th. It says this. I spent the day alone. I rose early. I spent the morning on the beach watching teenagers learn how to surf. I shopped. I read a spiritually uplifting book. I worked on my on my personal book. I cooked a delicious, healthy dinner, which I ate out on the deck. 
I ate gelato. I watched a movie. I saw a shooting star. I gazed at the edge of the galaxy and found Saturn. I listened to crickets chirp and to fish jump out of the water. I felt the breeze on my face. I went to the dark, dark beach and laid out under the stars. I was deeply unsettled. For a couple of nights that week, I had been sitting on the deck enjoying the night and looking at the stars. It's a great place to sit there looking out over the canal because the breeze is always blowing and no matter the temperature, it is never hot. But one of the frustrations about being on such a canal is that there are many houses all around you and your ability to enjoy the stars depends entirely on whether or not your neighbors decide to turn off their floodlights that night. Also, I got a little tired of leaning out over the railing to see past the roof of the porch. So one night, as I was actually getting ready to close up and head to bed, it occurred to me that the beach was only a two-minute walk away. Why don't I just go down there to really see the night sky? It was about 11 p.m. and the whole island was asleep, so I thought, why not? And I grabbed a towel before I could change my mind. And you might ask, why would she change her mind? Well, as a good youth minister, like I was for so many years, and as a good Girl Scout camp counselor, which I was in college, I have had safety rules drilled into my head. These rules are reproduced every time a new cell forms in my body, and one of those rules is always use the buddy system. It goes against everything I am to go out into the wilderness at night alone. But if I was going to go out there to see those stars, I had to go alone. No one else would be joining me in that house for another four days. So I went, and I am glad I did. That night on the beach, out under the stars, was an extremely meaningful experience for me. It was a night with no moon and no clouds. The stars were brighter and clearer than I have seen them in 30 years. So I took a towel out onto the isolated beach and lay down to gaze upon the heavens. And here's what happened to me out under the expanse of creation that night. In a word, I was terrified. In the first few minutes, I wanted to grab my towel, run back to the house, and lock the doors. I was a little afraid of being abducted or attacked by some human predator, but... That was not the true cause of my fear. I think I was afraid of being that alone and that present with God. To lay there with the sound of the relentless pounding ocean rolling around me, over me, and through me, while I was faced with the immeasurable, limitless proof of God's creative power, this was an overwhelming experience. I could see the Milky Way, which is, you know, the edge of the galaxy. I, I saw shooting stars. I could see Saturn, Uranus, and Neptune with my naked eye. I felt the wind blow over me, and I worried that I might simply float away into the night, never to be seen again. I felt like I was looking into the eye of God that he was reveal revealed to me more clearly than he ever had been before in my life. And I felt completely and utterly vulnerable, exposed. 
That night, I felt deep in my heart and mind that God and God's power is bigger than any human can possibly comprehend. I serve a God that cannot be adequately described, fully known, or truly understood by anyone. And in the face of that revelation, I finally understood what it means to fear the Lord. That night on the beach, I was struck by the enormity and vastness of God. I was bowled over and blown away, infinitely small in God's presence. It was absolutely amazing. And yet, and this just goes to show how limited and flawed we are in our humanity and our sinful nature. And yet, just a few weeks later, I was questioning God's existence one more, once more. As the days went by, as I read, watched movies, worked on my book, took my pictures, talked to all kinds of people, and had all kinds of experiences, I allowed those old doubts to creep back in again. Because what other people say about God can be confusing, even for me. I listen to the doubts, to the questions, and to the criticism. I know the arguments, and I know the rationale behind other people's lack of faith. I know them, and sometimes I even understand them. And sometimes I even start to wonder if they're right. So at some point during my solitude in the North Carolina mountains, one of the stops along my six-week journey, these thoughts slipped into my mind. Am I praying to a God that doesn't exist? Was Jesus just another wannabe Messiah with a God complex? Are all the non-Christians right and I am wrong? These are rough thoughts to have because in the midst of them, you can start to feel disconnected from the divine and guilty. These thoughts are also natural and can create a space for even deeper faith in the long run. They're all a part of the faith journey. They provide opportunities for us to turn to God in question and for God to reveal to us his presence, his will, and his love. I want to share with you one more journal entry. This one was written during my five-day silent retreat at Sacred Heart Monastery in Cullman, Alabama. While I was there, I worshipped with the Benedictine sisters. I fellowshiped in silence with six other women also on retreat with me, and I met with my spiritual director, Sister Mary, once a day. August 9. Today I shared with Sister Mary that doubts had been creeping into my mind. I'd been wondering again if God is really there. I'd been worrying a little, not much, but enough that I've just been praying to a figment of my imagination. Needless to say, those thoughts can be distressing. For a moment, I forgot the gazillion miraculous things God has done for me throughout my life. I had forgotten my time on the beach just a few weeks earlier. Anyway, I left that meeting and went to my room to pray and ponder. While there, I took out the journal Sister Mary gave me and opened it. I wrote for a bit and then sat in silence. With no words left to write, I decided to draw something. But what? Doodles? Random shapes? Something in the room? Oh, I know. I'll draw a mandala circle. 
Now, I don't know why I thought that. The Lord knows that I had never thought of drawing one before, but I drew one today. So I drew my mandala circle, just a circle with shapes and designs inside, and I prayed, and then I laid down to take a nap. As I had skipped lunch today, I was hungry and thought about dinner. What will they serve, I was wondering as I drifted off. And then suddenly, all I wanted was meatloaf. Honestly, that's weird because I can't remember the last time I ate meatloaf, but I fell asleep today thinking about loaves of meat and seriously hoping that I'd get to eat some in the not-too-distant future. Tonight, when I entered the dining hall, I immediately noticed the basket of markers just inside the door. Yay, crafts, I thought. And then I read the sign, draw a mandala circle, which then followed with instructions. And I was struck by the coincidence and decided that I'd definitely do another one. Then, in silence, after getting my drink and placing my things on a table, I got in line for food. As I edged closer to the front, <clears throat> I got a look at what we were having. Guess what? Meatloaf. As soon as I saw it, I kind of looked up and around and over me and behind me, and I smiled really big. Now, I know it's super silly. I know that coloring circles and meatloaf are not profound proofs of God. But to me, it was the message I desperately needed at that moment in that time. I looked around and I thought, okay, God, I hear you. I see you. Thank you. It was like a, a gentle tap on the shoulder, a, a little nudge that he was, in fact, with me. I am not alone in this universe and he understood that I needed that sweet reminder. Thank you, dear, dear Lord. You are so good to me. You see, it does not matter what other people say about who God is or who Jesus is. It only matters that we trust God to be who God is. And our understanding of who God is is not revealed to us by flesh and bone, but by our Father in heaven. And this revelation comes in many shapes and forms. God reveals himself to us in the reading of the scriptures, in the studying of the word. God is revealed to us in the vastness of the universe and in the smallest whisper in our ear. God is massive and tiny, loud and soft, completely alien and utterly familiar. God is all those things and God is more and more and more. God is bigger than our doubts and stronger than our weakness. In our lack of faith, God is faithful. In our lack of imagination, God is creation. Jesus asked me, who do you say that I am? And I answered him, Lord, you are everything. And so I ask you now, who do you say that God is? Who do you say Jesus is? Amen. Yes, who, yes, who, fill us with your 
your love, show us how to serve the neighbors we have from you. Kneels at the feet of his friends, silently washes their feet. Master who acts as a slave to them. Yes, yes, fill us with your love, show us how to serve the neighbors from you. Neighbors are rich and poor, varied in color and race. Neighbors are near and far away. These are the ones we should serve. These are the ones we should love. All these are neighbors to us and you. Yes, How to serve the neighbors we have from you. Loving puts us on our knees, serving as though we are slaves. This is the way we should live with you. Kneel at the feet of our friends, silently washing their feet. This is the way we should live with you. Us with your love, show us how to serve the neighbors we have from you. During my sabbatical three years ago, I saw God in many places. I saw God in the majesty of the stars in the pounding power of the ocean, in the faces of children playing on the beach, in the haunting, beautiful, chanting voices of the nuns in worship, in a butterfly that followed me down the trail through the Pisgah National Forest, in the gentle filtered light painting the ferns, in a simple meatloaf dinner, and in the invitation to draw a mandala circle. And I see God's power and love here in this simple meal as well. We eat just bread and we take just a sip of wine, hardly enough to register to our bodies that we've eaten. Yes, to our bodies this meal is not so significant, but to our souls it is everything. At this table we are fed a meal that nourishes our souls for all eternity. Just one taste of bread, just one sip of wine, and our hunger is satiated and our thirst is quenched. Because of God's love born in the sun, our souls are made whole now and forever. Jesus invites us all to his table and invites us to eat, invites us to drink, and invites us to live with him forever. On the night when the Lord was betrayed, he took the bread, blessed it, and said, This is my body broken for you. Eat it in remembrance of me. In the same way, after supper, he took the cup, blessed it, and said, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. As often as you drink it, drink it in remembrance of me. 
For as often as you eat this bread and drink of this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes again. Let us pray. Gracious God, in the bread make us whole. In the body heal our souls. In the cup take our fears. In your blood draw us near. Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior, we ask you, in your death, forgive us. In your resurrection, redeem us. In our lives, be with us. And in your love, save us. Amen. And now I invite you to take of communion. First, the bread the body of Christ broken for you. And now the cup, the blood of Christ, the cup of salvation. And now in celebration of what God has done, let us sing together more about Jesus would I know.
Join me in the Litany of Remembrance, which you can find printed in the About This Episode segment of the podcast. By partaking in this meal, we remember that Christ was born. Christ Christ died. died. Christ was raised. Christ Christ will will come come again. again. This is the mystery of our faith. Thanks Thanks be be to God. God. As you walk through your life this next week, do your best not to listen to what others believe about God, about Jesus. Instead, turn to the Holy Spirit of God and ask God to show you who he is. Open your eyes and you will surely see. Amen. Now let us sing together our hymn of sending forth day by day. See 